Welcome to the Mastering College to Career Podcast, where we're here to help you land your dream job. So if at any time during this episode you find any value, please make sure you take a screenshot and you share it with a friend. And don't forget, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. That will mean the world. So without further ado, enjoy this episode. What's going on, podcast family? If you're one of the thousands of students that listen to this podcast and have aspirations to work for a Fortune 500 company, whether it's starting as an intern or then working there full-time after graduation, then I have a very special treat for you. I will be conducting multiple webinars each week on how to get a job or internship with a Fortune 500 company. And in this webinar, I'm gonna cover three big secrets. Uh, Secret number one, I am gonna show you exactly how to get your resume passed through or get your resume beat over 90% of other applicants. And then secret number two, I'm gonna teach you how to access the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled. And then number three, I am gonna teach you how Fortune 500 companies handle campus recruitment and how you can take this insider secrets to your advantage. So if you wanna learn more, go to masteringcollege2career.com forward slash free training to register. Once you hit the register button, you will then have access to see all the times that I am doing this available. This is a free training, so you will have the opportunity to ask me all the questions that you want. So make sure you go to masteringcollege2career.com forward slash free training to register. See you guys all there. Welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to be talking about a topic that I love and that you will love too after you finish listening to this episode. I have a special guest with me. I have Steve Cahan, and he is the author of a book that's coming out, depending on where you're listening. It's recently come out. It is on Amazon, and it is Be a Startup Superstar. He's also the Chief Marketing Officer for Thycotic, a fast-growing cybersecurity startup. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It is an absolute pleasure to have you, Steve, um, to, to have you and just talk about your book that's coming out, talk about your career working for the startup world, and just to talk about this topic because a lot of students are graduating and they are looking primarily to work for a Fortune 500 company for a large organization and you don't really think about the startup world yet it could be an amazing amazing opportunity to build an amazing career so let's get started before we get started tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to write this amazing book sure so i have had the pleasure of working with six and now seven startup companies all of whom successfully sold or have gone public, uh, generating over $3 billion in shareholder value. I'm currently with a company called Thycotic, where I'm chief marketing officer. And at Thycotic, uh, we have gone in four years from $7 million annually to closing out this year, which will be at over $100 million, which is the type of amazing growth that I've been blessed to experience many times in the past. And uh, what I'm most excited about, though, is my second grandchild will be soon born in January of this year. So I've got some exciting times coming up as well. That's amazing, Steve. And so um, tell me about your book, right? So be a startup superstar. Tell me um, what's the book about and really why did you decide to write this book? Well, so 
I decided to write this book because the route that I took many, many years ago, and I'll sort of uh, start with that and then go into the book, Be a Startup Superstar, in just a moment. So what I found was that the traditional path of school to climbing the corporate ladder can not only be high risk for your career, it could almost feel like a death trap. So I remember as I was growing up, my father, like so many other fathers, uh, tell their sons and daughters, he'd say, Steve, uh, get your degree, go to work for a large corporation, you work hard, they'll take care of you, and you will have a great career. And so that was the path I took. And what I soon learned about a year and a half in working at a large corporation that I, I opened up my bank statement and I was once again down to $50 in my bank account. I was 22 years old. I was working in the cubicle of a fourth floor of a nondescript office building in Schaumburg, Illinois. And I was staring at the pile of claims that I was supposed to process that day, wondering how on earth will I ever get ahead? And I'd work long days and the student loans used to take a hold of my paychecks before they ever had a chance to hit my bank account. And so what I did was I answered a, a pivotal uh, question early on in my career was, how could I earn a great living doing the work I love? And I chose the startup world and I've never left. And so after 30 years in the startup uh, industry and, and achieving some tremendous success working with hundreds of amazing startup entrepreneurs, I wrote the book, Be a Startup Superstar, which really focuses in on why one might select a startup over a large corporation, how to find and land a job at the best startups, and then 35 actions, attitudes, and behaviors that I've learned that once you've decided to join a startup that you should take to maximize success. And the book's a quick read and uh, is illustrated with many uh, very relevant examples that will help people put what they learn right into action. Steve, I, I want to talk about this because this is something that may, I should have, you know, as a student, if I go back and think about it, I'm the kind of student that, so I was telling you before we started, I graduated with two majors, you know, looking back, I should have never done two majors, probably a waste of my money. Um, I sh I, and I major in management with a track of entrepreneurship and in, in, in marketing with a track of professional sales. And I always was very entrepreneurial growing up. And, and sometimes, you know, when I, even when I talked to my professors, they, their advice was even when I talked to my entrepreneurship professors who a lot of them, one had a work, sat on the board of a VC, a local VC firm. Another one, you know, just had multiple businesses and angel investor. They told me, this is the advice they told me. They said, go work for a Fortune 500 company for five years, learn to run a business the way they run a business, and then from there, go start a business and, and go start your own business. And, you know, I did just that, right? So I went and I worked for PepsiCo for six years. Um, and then from there, I started the business. And for me, I encourage a lot of my students to go look at a Fortune 500 company, which is why I want to really have you in, in this podcast because I want to talk about that. I want to have a like a friendly debate because that's always been the way that I've been thought, taught, right? To go say, hey, work for a Fortune 500 company. Um, they pay very well right out of school. 
you can learn how to run a business properly. You know, if you have the structure, you have the standard operating procedures, right? There's a level of security, go pay off your student loans. So within six years, I was able to pay off all my student loans, which is over $20,000 for the student loans. I was able to buy my first house, put a down payment, furnish it without even getting myself into debt. Um, and I was able to travel a lot. So I had a lot, of, a lot of the things, a lot of good financial security because I was smart with my money. And, and then I started my business afterwards. But looking back at it, this would have been an amazing option for me to learn from my startup. But why do you think students should consider looking into startups right when they're in college? So uh, it's, it's a great story, yours is, and, and a great question. So first I would say, I don't think that there's a, a right or a wrong way. There's really what's the best way for you. And so the reason why I think having an opportunity to start at a startup might actually be a really good one, and I'll sort of um, parallel this to my career and then sort of contrast large corporations versus startups. So uh, if you think of uh, when I joined my first startup, and, and really when I joined, I made every mistake that someone could make joining a startup. And I remember on my first day, I looked in the office next to mine, and there were people unplugging the copy machine, putting it on a dolly, and literally rolling it right out of the office. And I came to find out a few days later it was because the company couldn't afford to pay for the copy machine. But for me, I was blind to it. I was so pumped and excited to work with a small team of crazies hell-bent on changing the world changing the way applications were being developed. And what was cool was when I was hired, I was one of the first people in marketing. And what that meant was, was that I got a chance to do everything. And so if you contrast that versus a large uh, organization, I would have never in, in any imaginable scenario have gotten the chance to learn all the various aspects of marketing at that point that I had a chance to mostly fail with, quite frankly, when I started uh, at, at, at a startup. And so to me, when I sort of make that uh, sort of comparison and contrast versus uh, a large organization in terms of a startup, I think of large uh, organizations as uh, you're oftentimes in much more of a pigeonhole, smaller role, where there are there could be barriers to advancement many of these organizations are like giant ships they're hard to maneuver they're slow to change course they typically larger organizations have more bureaucracy or acceptance of the status quo and when you compare that versus a startup i mean you've got a you've got the opportunity to have tremendous uh, versatility in your role and it's almost like startups are like speedboats circling around the giant ships of the large corporations. There's more innovation, it moves fast, it's very nimble. Uh, you've got a chance to move up in your career very, very quickly. And, and if you're entrepreneurial and, uh, and are really willing to take it upon yourself to become the best and to learn everything you can get your hands on, a startup a could be a great place to to start for for many of your listeners 
And so, you know, when I, I think about the startups versus, you know, going to work for a large organization, I think about for large organizations, they're looking for specialized skills, right? Um, they're not just looking for someone who could do marketing. They're looking for somebody who could do specifically a- analytics or, you know, like very, very specifically a, a specific skill. When in a startup, they're looking for more of a general skill. And there's actually some now universities that are teaching more general businesses so that they are better fit for smaller, medium-sized companies. What, but what, what makes, what's the definition of a startup, Steve? Like, I guess to me, like, it's any, is there a dollar amount that makes it a startup? Is there a time the company's been in business that makes it a startup? Is there a number of employees? Like, what is the definition, I guess, the official definition of a startup? So according to the United States Small Business Administration, a startup is a company that's been in business for under a year and is in the formative stages. But to me, that actually paints a poor picture for what defines a startup. And the best definition that I've heard that resonates with me is uh, from uh, someone by the name of Doug Irwin, who's chairman of a venture capital company and serial technology entrepreneur. And Doug says that a startup is a company that operates like it's the last frontier for outlaws, a place where nonconformists can live, create, and sell their ideas. And to me, who doesn't want to be involved in that? It's sort of the place where you get to be the rough riding rebel running circles around the slower moving bureaucratic large organizations. So a startup is really a culture. It's a mindset. It's a team of crazies who want to go change the world. That's how I view a startup. I don't necessarily view it necessarily by size. And what's even more interesting is when I talk to senior executives at very large organizations, you will hear them say, gee, I wish that our organization would operate more like a startup mm-hmm. and which, which sort of illustrates the, the value of that definition. Yeah, I definitely have heard that before. Even when I worked um, for PepsiCo, like there's times that we talked about how we can act more as a, I could be more nimble and act more like a startup. Um, and so Steve, what, what do you think are some of the skills or attributes that make students attractable or like attractive to startups? Like what makes a, a I'm, I'm probably saying this really wrong. Okay. What makes, what are some skills students can have that startups will be like, wow, we need to hire this student. So the first thing that I would say is that startups are desperate for hiring in really every functional role. So so assuming that whether that's sales, marketing, finance, R&D, HR, whatever that might be, uh, they, they are desperate to hire. And, and so when you take that as a backdrop, um, it's really the qualities in the students. And let me suggest what those qualities are that, at least in my mind, make the very best startup candidates. So... It's people who embrace accountability and get things done. People who communicate in thoughtful, smart, competent, and respectful ways. That really catches my eye when people ask questions. They are typically not I people, but they're we people. 
And you'll know an I person when they take all the credit versus a we person that shares the credit. They're someone who is prepared to work hard. Uh, what I've learned is there is no easy button. People who pay attention to details. And I think um, besides the willingness to constantly learn, it's someone that has great persistence and tenacity you're constantly faced with obstacles. And so being able to be persistent and to not get bogged down by them, not to view those obstacles as mountains, uh, but to put them in proper perspective to, to fight through them. Uh, it's a constant battle when you're going up against bigger, better funded competitors. Uh, but it's a lot of fun when you have the opportunity to celebrate those wins. It's really those skills and attributes that make a standout startup candidate. What, what about the risk that's is associated with, you know, when you think about startups and you hear the statistics that not a, nine out of 10 businesses fail in the first five years, like somebody says like, well, I'm going to, like, if I, put, if I think about it as if I'm a student, right? Why go work for a company that the odds of them staying in business for five years are so low I'll just be afraid I'll lose my job and then I can't get a job afterwards. Yeah, and I think we're, that is certainly the view. What I've learned is it's really a view that could be greatly minimized if you know how to select the best startup, right? So what you'll see is that there's lots of startups out there that have good stories. However, what you want to be able to do is to differentiate startups that have both a, a good story uh, versus those that have a good story and a good chance for success. And so there are a few things, just having been with a number of startups, I guess if I would have had only one or, or maybe even two that had a really good exit, that, that maybe I would have been lucky. But because I've had the opportunity to work at several of these, I've kind of learned the difference. And so here's a few things that, that, uh, that the listeners could look at to specifically select a good startup. So first and foremost, beyond quality people who share your values, right? So you, what you wanna make sure is that when you're going in a, into a startup, it's a small company. So uh, you wanna look that there is a solid team of leaders who rock your world. And really by meeting them, by getting a chance to read sort of their mission, their values, and see how it makes you feel and if, it, if you align with it. So I think that, that that sort of goes without saying, but that's something that oftentimes is, is overlooked. Then secondly, that the concept of the startup fills a big market need. So startups who sell nice to have or should have products probably don't make it because people tend to spend money on must-solve problems. And so do your research, find out what the, the influencers and the experts have to say about the company and what sets it apart. And don't be afraid if you see that there's lots of competition. Be afraid actually if you see that there's little competition because that probably means that there's not a market. And then take a look to see if the startup is well-funded. Naturally, you want to be able to choose a startup that has a long enough runway to get off the ground and make sure that they're proper, properly capitalized so that you have the best chance for growth and stability. 
so everything you said like it, it, i just think when you when you say when you're saying all that it's like i might as well just be an investor in those companies right like you're treating it like an investment except instead of paying your own money because you might not have it you're you're a college student you're doing it through sweat equity like you're investing your time and your career in them so you have to do the research ahead of time just like if it were, you were going to invest in it but is it hard to get all that information like you know I think about a student, I started working with, I started doing some consulting with some startups here in, in Orlando that they're looking, they're hiring, they got funded. So now they have capital to start hiring because they need to double their team. And so they reached out to me um, to consult them on how to recruit college students. And I just find it very hard, you know, and, and I'm saying this from a from the perspective, I've recently gone through this with three different startups that have been funded um, by VC firms here in Orlando, generally in the fintech area, that they're not very good at disclosing information with college students. You know, they, they, they'll go, they'll have a phone call conversation, they invite them to the office so they can see the culture and the vibe, they get to meet, you know, the, 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 the leadership team, all that. I can see that working out, but people are always in their best behavior. Also, when you think about, let's say the CEO or the COO, like the leadership team, the C-levels, they're very optimistic, right? They believe their, their company is going to be the next big thing, but the reality is that not every company is the next big thing. And even I tell you this an experience, right? Like there are students that have started working for those companies who are now reaching out to me and saying, hey, that, that, that kind of was not what I was expecting or what it was paint painted as and so that is my that's a fear that i have because there isn't enough public information like, like you can't just go to Glassdoor and see what other people have said about that particular job because a lot of times companies that might be a brand new job does that make sense it does so let me tell you how you minimize the risk associated with what you're referring to perfect when you're going into interview with the company uh, beyond asking to meet with a broad range of people, which is really important. There are specific questions that you can ask that will cut right through a lot of that clutter and get you. So let me, let me give you, I got a bunch of them, so I'm going to rattle them off to you. Yeah. So perfect. For folks who want to know the questions asked, this is what you want to write down. So uh, first question. Why is now the time for your company to exist? Another one. What milestones has the company achieved? Another one. Tell me about your first paying customer and the revenue expectations over the next year. Another one. How much has the company raised and what's its runway? Who are your investors and why did you choose them? What do you love about your team and why are you the ones to solve this problem? And here's one that people never think of, but it is very revealing. If you weren't building a startup, what would you be doing? I think if you ask those types of questions, you know, there's the obvious ones like what's your biggest threat, that sort of thing. What do you think growth will be next year? But it's really those other ones, those unconventional questions that can help you cut right through and will paint a very 
nice canvas for you to get a better sense of that business? Those questions were amazing, Steve. Like I think about that. And if I were to give that advice to the students that were interviewing with the startups, like I think it, it paints a really, like you'd be able to have a very good pulse of where the company is now and where it's heading. You know, um, that, those are amazing questions. My fear on those questions is if the people will answer them honestly, and if they don't, obviously that's where you probably don't want to work there in the first place. Or um, if they get, if they would be turned off by the student asking so many questions, like, Hey, you're just a, a student. Like, why do you care so much? I, I, I don't know. Like, I, maybe, I, I don't have the experience though. So I couldn't tell you for sure. Right. That's just my yeah, gut. I found feeling. that people actually are impressed by those questions. Now, if you're asking an hour and a half of questions, that's probably going to be too far. But again, if you're meeting with a broad range of people, you could sort of feel out the situation and see which of those questions are appropriate to ask the particular people that you're meeting with. But I think that if you'll get a sense, right? So when you ask those questions, you're going to see the body language, right? And so these are not questions that people get asked every day. To me, for example, if I saw someone take a step back, think about it for just a moment, and then sincerely answer, that would say a lot to me. But also, these questions will differentiate you or the student or the job seeker who's asking them because they're smart questions that sort of set you apart as well. So it's really a double benefit. Yeah. No, I love it. And so you, you sold me on this, right? Like I'm a student, you're like, wow, you know what, Steve? I, I'm going to look into startups. But where do I look? Where do I start? Um, what if, especially if you're in a city where there's not a lot of startups, right? The, the startups are generally grouped in like 10 cities less, maybe eight cities in the United States. Like, and maybe I don't have any connections, but where can I look if I just have the internet? So I think that there are two places that are a little bit unconventional that people don't normally think about looking or doing. And so Beyond all of the obvious ones, uh, first of all, in most cities across the United States, there are uh, accelerators. And so an accelerator is really a program that provides capital, mentorship, and educational opportunities to the startups themselves. And so these accelerators, like if you Google uh, them, say accelerators in Orlando, for example, or Kansas City, you will find a list that will be in that city and certainly in that state. And a lot of those companies post jobs right online at those accelerators. And so that's a great way to find um, startups who've actually been funded that exist within a certain city or certainly within the state in which you live. And then the second thing I think is really doing, so assuming that you do your research and you find some executives at companies that you wanna go target, and I've had a number of people do this with me over the years, is those that have reached out, for example, via LinkedIn, they've looked at some of the posts that I've made, they've done a little bit of research and they've, gone right after me, for example, directly via LinkedIn Messenger and had a very sincere, heartfelt message. And 
what you learn is, is, and it's not all people, so don't be discouraged if you don't get a response all the time, but most uh, executives at startups and really other companies as well, realize that there are others that help them get to where they are. And so they wanna be able to pay that forward. And oftentimes, again, with a sincere, thoughtful message that I have met with a number of uh, people in college or in MBA programs based on that connection, where they have uh, asked advice, how they could achieve success in their particular uh, field. And then of course the conversation turns to them. And then they ask for advice on the best way that they could uh, achieve their pathway to success. And that direct contact with typically hiring managers is ideal, particularly given the fact that startups are desperate to hire and, uh, and they're looking for, for, for uh, talented people uh, whenever they can find them. Yeah, interesting. I, I talk about that in my book. I call it 1051 rule. I, I talk about how students should target their list of companies and reach out to them through LinkedIn or through a warm referral. So interesting that that would also work in the startup world. Well, Steve, time flies. You know, we've been talking for about 30 minutes now. Where can students or anybody interested in reading your book, where can they find it? Well, they can go to www be a startup superstar.com or go to wherever books are sold online. And I'd love to hear uh, from your listeners to see what they think of the book or if they have any questions, they can reach me directly right from my website and I answer every inquiry personally. Perfect. So I will definitely put all that information in the show notes and I'll also link it to the Amazon account so you can purchase the book if you're interested in reading. And if you and I also put it, uh, Steve's website and the book's website so that you can ask Steve any questions that you guys might have. This is very eye opening. This is something that I wish I knew when I was a college student. I think I'm more. Um, my only fear would have been that I would have never started my own business because I would have been so involved in helping a startup. But I guess I, if you grow within a startup, then you can gain some ownership, which would be a, a big advantage going that route. It is huge. <laughs> Perfect. Steve, well, thank you so much. Um, this has been an amazing, amazing a podcast episode. Everybody listening, thank you, and catch you guys on the next episode. made it to the end of the podcast just want to remind you if you are interested in signing up for that free training class on how to land a job with a fortune 500 company head to masteringcollege2career.com forward slash free training to sign up this is a live class so you will be able to ask me questions and remember it's limited to the first 100 students see you there If you're listening to me right now, you, my friend, have made it to the end of the podcast. I want to take some time to thank you and congratulate you for being different and taking control of your career, doing things like listening to this podcast, putting yourself out there and building the experience needed to land your dream job is what's going to set you apart and not be just another statistic. So great job. Keep it up. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends. 
and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Talk to you soon.